Hi, I'm Ariana. And I'm Kaylee, and we're two 20-something Midwest friends. This podcast talks about life, college, travel, feminism, social justice, relationships, and of course, literature and writing. Come join us on our podcasting journey. Yes, so thank you for stopping back at the Unproblematic Podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about books. We buy them, we store them, and sometimes we even read them. Surprise. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the best books that we read in 2021. And specifically, we had to narrow this down with fiction or we would have been here all night. Um, But before we get into the juicy stuff, we're going to be talking about what we're currently reading and watching. So Kaylee, what are you currently reading and watching? So currently watching um, a K-drama called Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha, which is about a big city dentist from uh, Seoul, South Korea, who moves to her like a small town on the southern coast of Korea. And it's set in like like the town in the movie and the show is different, but it's set in this town called Pohong, which I really want to travel to at some point because it looks really beautiful. Um, But that's what I'm watching right now. And I'm currently reading The Winds Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami, which is amazing, like 600 pages, but every single page is like interesting and airtight and like, and just like surreal. It's it takes a very different narrative structure than any other like book I've encountered. And I really, really love it so far. So I think I'm definitely going to read more Haruki Murakami once I finish this one. um, Because this is the first book by him that I finished. The first novel anyway. So yeah, um, that's what I'm reading and watching. What are you reading and watching right now, Ariana? That is a good question. So (laughs) actually, right now what I'm watching is the original Sex and the City on HBO Max. And I have never seen it. Um but I've heard lots and lots of things. And of course, with with like the reboot now, I actually started watching before the reboot. I'm on, I'm currently on season three. And all I have to say is Carrie Bradshaw is a horrible person. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so I actually watched this when I went to Russia with my friend from Russia. We watched like four or five seasons over the course of three days. Um, it's so, so good. He's a horrible person. It's good, but it's horrible. But like, what do you think about it? <laughs> Well, the thing like, is, who's I, your favorite character? My favorite character is either um, Samantha or Miranda. Yeah, yeah, and easily. I, and I, like, I didn't know what to expect because I had watched the Carrie Diaries, and I know that the Carrie Diaries is, like, Carrie in the 80s. But in the, I feel like she was more likable when she was in the Carrie Diaries compared to when she's, like, the Carrie Bradshaw. I just feel like for her to be right, column she's not that open-minded and she's not that nice like she like yeah so many things there where she's like when you hear her like inner monologue and she's judging others and I is like she's judging but then like she has no room to speak because like she was talking about how like she wants to go to like these nice parties and other things like that. But I'm like, you're spending thousands of dollars on shoes and you can barely afford your rent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I do. I do love like the banter and stuff in the show. And I think it's good. It's very entertaining. And the other day I actually watched um, the sex in the city 
two movie with my sister and it was really funny um but i just i think the like i'm not gonna spoil anything for the show but like i think that like they have this whole debate on whether they want to choose um aiden or mr big and the thing is aiden's a very good person but Mr. Big and Carrie are both the same amount of crazy and the same amount of toxic. Yeah. So they, I was like, she gets what she gets, what she deserves. So I was gonna say I'm, she doesn't deserve Aiden, like definitely no, not. She doesn't. So I think I think that when people are like, who do you choose for her? I think I choose Mr. Big because like their whole relationship was just both of them just messy. So anyway, what I'm currently reading, um. The Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armas. And this was something that was on Book Talk over the summer, but I'm just now getting to it. And she is, it's about a girl named Lena, and she has to go back to Spain to go to her sister's wedding. And the thing is, she doesn't want to go by herself because that's where her ex boyfriend's gonna be, because I think he's um, the best man. And so she finds this man to take her and basically like it's one of her coworkers and it's just 500 pages of banter back and forth and me cracking up, but it's really good. It's really <laughs> well written. Um, and I think it's beneficial. Like if like, no, like I was able to pick out some of the words cause she does use a little bit of Spanish in the book. So it's nice that like, I know a couple of these words, um, and I really, really like it. She, I think this is her debut um, novel and it's really good. So like it's described on the back as a wedding, a trip to Spain and the most infuriating man pretending. In other words, a plan that will never work. So, I mean, if right. you need something to read, definitely read this. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Enemies yeah. to lovers. One of our favorite. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> it's, I, think, I don't hate that. I really don't. I read you know what? It's not even enemies to lovers. It's just like miscommunication to lovers because, like, right. does that like none of these people where it's like the enemies to lovers trope? They never like truly hate each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think we like, talked about. I think we talked about this in another episode about like. Right, we talked about it because like it depends. Like it depends on how they portray it. Like if the guy is just like unquestionably like rude for no reason. In the beginning, I don't count that as enemies to lovers. I call that, like, a woman goes from standing up to herself to simping for no reason, like, because she buys into the Nietzschean fiction of romance. But That's- if they're, like, you know, like, intellectual, like, um, what, what, would I, what would you say? Like, competitors or, like, they're, like, debating and, like, they have, like, very strong ideologies and they disagree. But, like, they're not, like, rude for no reason. That's different. And then, like, they, you know, eventually realize, like, they have more in common. Like, Pride and Prejudice, I would say, would be more like that. Like, yeah. Kind of like that. I guess like, he was kind of rude in the beginning, but it was more, it was more so like you said, miscommunication. Where I'm reading, they're both rude. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they help each other, they both help each other. Um, and it, it's, it's funny. Like, I definitely, I think I started, I started reading it this week, and I'm, my goal is to finish it tonight as we're recording on uh, New Year's Day. So, as you know, but it's my New Year's Day, but it's Kaylee, um, it's January 2nd. But I brought in the new year reading this book. So, so nice. Uh, yeah. So do you want to get into like the main chunk of this podcast? So we're going to go through like three books we each picked 
um, and why they were our favorite in terms of fiction and the most entertaining. Yes. So we picked fiction for this episode. I think we need to do a follow-up with nonfiction because I was just going through a crisis looking at all the books I read this year. I'm like, how do I pick three? Like there were so many good ones, but, um, okay. So the first book I, I picked is actually, I think my favorite fiction book and possibly my favorite book period of all time. Like, and I don't say that lightly, like this was a great book. Um, it's Leaving the Atosha Station by Ben Lerner. And I had this book recommended to me by a friend that I was actually traveling in Spain with in 2019. And this book is set in Madrid. So when my friend was reading it, she like we were also in Madrid. But I ended up reading it like like this year in 2021. But it was cool because I'd already had that experience in Madrid to kind of reflect on. Um, but it is about a poet in residence from Topeka who's Topeka Kansas who's studying in Madrid and this man is like hilarious because like he's like kind of the typical artist where like he really like thinks a lot of himself but low-key all he does is like get high and drink coffee and walk around art museums and doesn't do that much writing um (laughs) but like the things that he says are hilarious because like he's trying to as by like sounding very poetic but basically it's just because he doesn't know spanish so he can say these very like blanket statements like uh fascism is a curse and people are like "Ooh, fascism is a curse you know like so they like read into what he says but it's just because he's not fluent like that's the only reason that he sounds poetic but then people kind of start to see through him and he like gets very anxious that they're like seeing through him but there's like the part that literally i was laughing out loud for like a solid like 10 minutes when I read it is he's talking to he ends up going to this like girl that he's like kind of seeing like her family's house and they're all like talking to him being very polite like asking him about his home life and he had lied to the girl before and said that his father was dead and then he mentioned his father like being alive and so then the girl's like confused and he like admits like um you know, like, okay, my father's not dead. I, I wasn't true. I just said that because my father's a fascist and it's easier to pretend that he's dead. And so then they're like, oh, what do you mean he's a fascist? Because, you know, in Spain, there actually was a fascist regime. So there's like kind of a recent wealth of knowledge about what a fascism like what a fascist government would look like and like he just knows nothing. And so like they they're like, what do you mean he's a fascist? And like, and like he says, he only respects violence. And then like in the character's head, he's thinking of this time that his dad like brushed a spider outside, like wouldn't even kill it, but like took it on two pieces of paper out <laughs> into the yard. And he's like, why did I betray this man? Just because I wanted to impress people. But um, and then he's like, yeah, my dad, you know, fascists marry feminists in the United States to hide in plain sight because his mom is like a famous feminist. So they're like, wait. If your dad's a fascist and your mom's like a feminist scholar, like why are, how do they get together? They're like genuinely asking. And he just keeps making up all these like convoluted lies. But like it's so funny, but it's also like I think a really good fictional way of portraying like a theory of art that like art that mystifies and art that tries to like elude people is just like basically artists being grifters. It's not like something that's too deep for people to comprehend like if you really have like a good well thought out piece of art you make it understandable for people like you can get down to what it actually is and like it's not it doesn't lose its appeal um 
but then there's also the theory that like like any kind of thing that people view as like genius or as like as completely above everything else as like a good quote unquote piece of art is just something that mystifies most people. It's it's obscurity that makes it that makes it good. And it's the same with like if you don't speak the language. Like you can sound like super mysterious and interesting if you only know like five words in Spanish, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna be able to communicate really well. Um and it was and it felt like uh continuance of like Austerlitz by W.G. Sebald which is like a very similar take on like the nature of time and space and travel and art but like this was set in modern day times and with like a very like funny like sort of ironic main character it wasn't as serious as Austerlitz was because obviously that's about like like post-Holocaust times and restructuring memory so it's a very deep book but this was more of like a um like a tribute to that but also like sort of making fun of how art can be very like hoity-toity and gets all of its genius quote-unquote just from being obscure but ah it was so good like so good slay me but anyway (laughs) (laughs) I don't and I don't think you've mentioned that one to me like when we were talking I don't think that was one of the ones because I would have remembered that one yeah I I don't feel like I've talked about it a lot just because like it's like it's hard to explain what's so good about it um because like I feel like you definitely just have to experience it like I feel like even what I said wasn't a good description into what it is what it is because like you know how this is Ariana like when you experience the reality of a book it's very different from like a synopsis of it so I don't know that like a synopsis can really do it justice but anyway I really understand like especially like the plot is very intricate and you don't do you don't give it justice like it's like don't don't if you don't want to read it don't base it off of my description of the book i i just suggest you go read it right Uh, (laughs) so what is your first choice ariana what is your top fiction book of 2021 i don't really know if i have like my one of my top ones for this year is one i read around august and it's the inheritance games by jennifer lynn barnes and this was the first ya book that i have read in at least a year i really do think so and this book was a ya mystery and it's fiction and i think the reason that i loved it so much is because of the way it was written but also because of its resemblance to both clue and knives out and what i mean by this is this girl, she's a teenager. Her name is Avery Grams, and she is lower income, and she lives um, with her sister. And her mom had like passed away uh, the prior year. Um, and one day, this guy comes into her classroom, and like she's brought into the principal's office, and it's like you have to go with me because we can't read my grandfather's will unless you're there but no one even knows who she is like she doesn't know who he is or anything like that so she and her sister goes and they read the will and it turns out that this man like it's no like this is not a secret I'm not spoiling anything but this man leaves everything to her like no one knows who she is she doesn't know who this man is she's left with like he's a when I tell you he's like a billionaire like a multi-billionaire and he has 
um, many foundations, properties. But the thing is, the deal is she has to live in his mansion for a year. But the thing is, his immediate family lives in the mansion, too. So his four grandsons and their um, mother and their aunt and like a couple other close family friends all live on this property. So one like two of the sons um well one of them was well our inheritance like he's like thinks that she's scamming them and then another one just wants to figure out like what the mystery is because this grandpa was like very very mysterious if, if you remember the grandpa he's not a, the grandpa in knives out and he has like this house this like big creepy house it's kind of like that and it reminds me of clue because there's like secret passages and things like that so they're working on puzzles and stuff trying to figure out what this grandpa did because like it was so well done like he could have been a mystery writer um but he wasn't he was a billionaire so basically like the first book it's, it's a trilogy and i just finished the first one so they're just trying to figure out like what the heck is going on and it left me on a freaking hang a cliffhanger and i'm sitting there like are you kidding me so i have the second book but i'm gonna get to that eventually and of course they're gonna put there's going to be some type of like love in there she falls for somebody but you know that's any book and then but it's mostly mystery so i i rated it about 4.7 stars interesting that sounds really good and the knives out story like that theme of like you know a will at the beginning of a book is such a good trope i think like that's such a solid way to start a book it is and like they it really is because like this house is huge this property like she gets a bodyguard like it's it's so good because she came from nothing and like she She's such a kind-hearted person, and you get to see that through her storytelling because it's from her perspective. Um, and yeah, 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 yeah. And it's crazy because she doesn't really trust anyone because, like, she's like questioning, like, why am I here? Like, what is going on? So it's it's a really good book, but it also mm-hmm. like Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Like, I read one of her other like less known lesser known um pieces and it was called the squad and again i read this like back in sixth grade when she it was a spy book so that's why i picked it up um and it was about these cheerleaders at this high school who were spies Ooh, so interesting. Made- <laughs> i remember i remember you talking about this series actually like um yeah like i remember this it's the yeah, the spies at the high school. Like, the clique, but, like, positive positive femininity, not toxic femininity. <laughs> I even was positive because they were there, like, playing dumb and, like, people were like, oh, they're just cheerleaders. But, like, no, it's, like, <laughs> like I'm probably missing something because I read that so long ago. Um, but I do remember I enjoyed it enough to read the second book. Um, but what is your second favorite read of this year Kaylee I mean not this year but 2021 so the one I chose for my second favorite is also potentially one of my favorite books of all time so good um Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders which again is like the first novel that I've read by George Saunders and I definitely want to read more by him I've read a couple of his short stories um but it is so good I can't 
even explain like fully like it's one of those ones you have to experience but it's about a group of souls that are caught in this like in between place between life and death and they all linger around this graveyard but they all have these different stories and they all talk about like uh like what they're kind of like unresolved fears and wants were when they died which is like they never fully explain what this place is or why they're there but they all have these like unresolved things that they have to get through um and abraham lincoln is a character in the story because he comes and visits his son so it's like set during civil war times and his son is like buried as a child um in this in the cemetery and so it's like all of these different souls interacting with abraham lincoln's son and it is like it's so amazing but i sorry go ahead no i just said that that sounds like a really good read it it was like such a creative concept you know and like it's easy to see how like would kind of fall apart maybe if it wasn't done well but it was done so well and there's this quote that i included that was one of my favorites from like towards the end um none of it was real nothing was real Everything was real, inconceivably real, infinitely dear. These and all things started as nothing, latent within a vast energy broth. But then we named them and loved them, and in this way brought them forth. And now we must lose them. It's so good. It like, it's like kind of dark. I don't mean it to be dark. It's actually a very positive thing. But it helped me really think about like my own death and like make peace with it. Um in a way of like thinking about like what kind of like memories what kind of like what things do you want to resolve before you die like how do you want to live your life and um it was really good it was a great book it sounds really good it does but yes what is your second choice ariana so these aren't in any particular order they're just based off of like what came to my mind first but my second book that we're going to be talking about is the seven husbands of evelyn hugo uh by taylor jenkins reed and this was not something that like i would have gravitated towards if i was walking around in a bookstore but i was influenced by um book talkers bookstagrammers i had just seen so many good check this one out um from the library as an audiobook and it's about a woman named um, evelyn hugo who will do anything to be famous and she grew up poor um in new york so basically she's like i and again like this book takes place it takes place i think in the 50s um, and, um, she's telling the story of her life, but the book goes back and forth because she, we start talking about her story because she finds a journalist who she wants to write her life story. And so when she agrees, she starts telling her life story to this woman. So you get to see her seven husbands and, learn about them and her life um it was there's a really great love story within it so i really recommend i really recommend it it met i had no expectations going into this book and at the end it had me sobbing like (laughs) (laughs) like i i was not expecting to cry 
while watch watch not watching I'm sorry listening to this and the thing was as soon as I finished the book like my for you page on TikTok showed a bunch of people like this book is so sad I'm like you couldn't have said that before I finished the book like before I picked it up because I'm like I I really don't like sad reads so I was sitting there and I (laughs) called a friend after I read it and she's like oh my god like (laughs) that book was so sad I was like yeah it really was (laughs) but I, Uh. I gave it five stars um I don't even know if I'm giving it justice by describing it, but that's good though. Like I like those books that give you a variety of emotions, you know, like it can definitely be entertaining and like riveting without just making you feel like, um, like humored or amused or like happy all the time. You know, like I like those books that give you more of a range. Yeah. There's like a bunch of different feelings, but it also talks about like what people do to get out of situations where they're not that where they don't want to be and things that people sacrifice and decisions that they make and how like your decision can change your life and so many other people's lives. And that can both be positive and negative. Um, so it was really a reflection. She was giving a reflection on her life. So when she's telling the story, she's in her seventies or eighties. So yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So I gave it to, I love the book so much. I got a paper copy and gave it to BB so she could read. <laughs> Did she like it? Has she finished it yet? She has not read it yet, but I see it sitting by her, um, her like reading chair. So hopefully it will get read soon. Yeah. I mean, she will. I think BB is like, like it, one of the people, I mean, actually like the only person I can say like, will like read books you know what I mean like I feel like I I talked to her I talked to her at one point about like a specific book and then like the next time I um was over at your grandparents house like she had read it like I feel like she reads things like very you know what I mean like she doesn't just buy things and let it sit on her bookshelf like she does both she like if you talk about it like enough you're like I love this so much she will read it then but like she'll pick up stuff and then like put it on her bookshelf and then come back to it but it's always nice like when someone recommends you a book or you recommend someone a book and they read it like kind of around the time that you recommend it because it's like wow you're actually taking like my thoughts into consideration (laughs) yeah yeah, but yeah this book was so good and I recommend if you have not read it to definitely read it and it's it's not too thick it's a very quick read it was it took me less than a week so Kaylee on to your third book okay this book was so it was hard to pick a third one because there were several like competing like I wanted to do Australitz by W.G. Sebald but um we had voted for like entertaining and like it was it made like it was such a thoughtful book it definitely made me think a lot but like it was kind of a slog to get through in certain parts because it was just so dense like there was so much packed into it um that I can't say it was like fully entertaining but this one I like just flew through because it was so good it's My Revolutions by Hari Kunzru and it's about a young radical leftist in 1970s London and um like his journey through just being a part of this like hippie organization where really all they did was party and like occasionally protest to joining like a core group of people who like did all these like slowly more radical things to rebel against the government like they appropriated 
this house that was um or this apartment complex that like was abandoned and going to be bought by this like large real estate company but it wasn't in use for a long time and so they squatted there and they created like a homeless um shelter and like a community organization where they were giving out food and um and then of course like the cops wanted to come because like this real estate company owned it even though they weren't using it and then they like slowly like um like basically sat them out where like they were just sitting in the house and the cops kept saying like come out we'll shoot and like they didn't and they were like you'll have to shoot us out you'll have to burn us out like that kind of thing um and they had every like all the doors locked but it was it's just so good because it like really I think describes this debate that um that I've thought about a lot like based on like the way that I grew up with um like knowing a lot of like very conservative christians and evangelicals and then also like becoming friends with more like radical leftists like kind of this idea of like if you truly believe something how far are you willing to go to take action to actually like to make something happen instead of just letting like the entropy of capitalism and consumerism and and like the state just dull you into a place of just making these small rebellions and like having a large revolution where you really say, what can I do to, to come up against the state, to stop this apparatus, to do anything, to show that I'm not going to be a part of this versus like the small revolutions of like, I'm just going to go to a protest. I'm just going to like, I'm going to vote differently for like a democratic um, candidate or whatever. Um, But it's so it's so good because it goes back and forth between when he's like a young person in the 1970s to when he's like an adult like an established adult in the 1990s and so you already know from the beginning that he's compromised on a lot of these values that he was very passionate about when he was younger but it's uh it was amazing it sounds good was that one a longer read it was it was like 300 pages i think so it wasn't too long um, but the quote I really like from there, which like, like is a very like well-known concept. So I think, especially now it's a very like, uh, like a buzz quote, but it's this, you're lucky that politics feels optional, something it's safe to ignore. Most people in the world have it forced on them. And which like a lot of people talk about now, especially in the wake of like the past couple years, but in the 1990s, like, I think it was a little a little more radical in this book because it had been more of like a consumeristic culture. There weren't a lot of protests in the 90s. Um, so it was it was a really good book. Sounds good. It really does. Oh, so going on to my what's, third. Yes. What's the last one? The last one is a contemporary romance book. And this is another one I didn't pick out. I mean, like, I actually selected to read it, but, like, if if I wouldn't have had, like, the opportunity to, like, pick it up myself, I probably wouldn't have read it. But I'm so glad that I did. This was a five-star read. And it's called What If You and Me by Ronnie Lauren. And it focuses on a character, a woman named Andy Lockley, and she's a podcaster, um, a true crime podcaster, and a writer but her podcast is different from other true crime podcasts because she focuses on how to keep women safe and how to like avoid danger. And like her 
passion for this podcast occurred from her and during like a traumatic event, um, which I'm not going to spoil. Um, and basically it's her working through her trauma, but also trying to help other people. And one, I mean, this, this part, which I'm about to share, it says on the back of the book, but basically one night she's in her, on in her apartment and like she thinks someone breaks in and like she <laughs> ends up running to the neighbor's house she like lives in a duplex and so like she meets the neighbor um and his name is hill and he has another person who has like faced a different type of trauma but um it's it's a really good book i'm like i don't know how to describe it without spoiling the whole plot but if you're into contemporary romance um I definitely recommend checking it out. And the thing is, I think it's one of those, it's, it's a series, but it's not the type of series where you have to read it in order because this is the second book and I haven't read the first one and I didn't miss a thing. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if I did the description any justice, but basically I liked the fact that she was like trying to resolve her trauma um, and working through it. But I liked that I like the aspect of like learning about her writing process and her podcasting pro process. Um, it was a really good book. It was, it was, it was good. Mm. I need more besides good because like good's just basic. Like, um, right. it was extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it's hard to find like good adjective, good LOL, but like descriptive adjectives <laughs> for how a book makes you feel. Like, there's, like, the cathartic feeling of, like, oh, this is a bad thing that happens. Or, like, this is a mediocre or an even pleasant thing that happens in everyday life. But it's so, like, reassuring to see it written out. And there's the things that are challenging, the things that you've never thought about before, um, the things that make you a little uncomfortable. Like, there's there's so much. Yeah, for sure. And, um we will be working on some other descriptions besides good, but I think, cause I think I might've used it on the other ones, but all of these books were phenomenal um, in their own ways. And they were three different types of fictional books. One was um, contemporary romance. The other was um, this plain fiction. And then the other one was a YA and a mystery. So I really enjoyed all three of these books and we're going to be doing another episode like Kaylee said on the favorite nonfiction ones so it could be easier for us to narrow it down um so if you have any suggestions or like book recommendations or anything like that feel free to let us know on our podcasting instagram at on problematic podcast so thank you so much for listening. signing off